At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question, and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world of fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us. Well, hello again. Good to be with you today. Now, the date was December 1st, 1948. That's when a crossword puzzle fanatic by the name of James Bruneau copyrighted what would become one of America's most popular board games, Scrabble. First designed in 1931 by an architect by the name of Alfred Mosher Butts, it wasn't until Bruneau got the copyright that the game actually began to take off. Now here's how it happened. He began by producing 18 games per day in his own living room. And then eventually he got this into this game, he got Scrabble into a little department store in New York City named Macy's, just in time for the holidays, and soon it became a national craze. Now today, it is estimated that there are 150 million sets of Scrabble that have been sold worldwide. So let's take a quick test. How many of you have a game of Scrabble? I thought so. I thought so. I'm guessing that more than a few of us might be playing Scrabble when the family gets together over the Christmas holiday. Now, you might be thinking, why am I bringing up uh, Scrabble to begin today's sermon? Well, it's a fair question. And I'm doing so because I want to remind us that words are important. I want us to be mindful of the fact that words are so significant that they can actually shape and change culture. Ultimately, it's so critical for us to recognize that words matter. Now, some of you might be saying, well, yeah, that's good for you, Pastor. You're a words guy. Of course you're going to say that. Every single week you write a sermon and you give us words. Well, that is true, and I confess I am a words guy. You know, you can ask my kids, numbers, not so much. Words, definitely. But that's not why I am bringing this to our attention. I'm not focusing on words because I'm a words guy. I'm doing it because words are the most significant way that God speaks with his people. Through words. Certainly it is not the only way that God does that, but words are a special and significant way that God communicates with you and with me. Today we're going to be reading the first few words of the New Testament book of Hebrews. And what we're going to find is the significance of the incarnation of the word 
And we're going to learn what that means. But first, let's pray together. Gracious God, we're so thankful that you have, in fact, given us your word. That as we have your Bible, as we open your Bible, we find words that you desire to communicate to your people. To tell the story of redemption. To tell the story of how Jesus fulfills everything that the Old Testament points to. It's found in your son Jesus. And we find that in your word. So God, it is my prayer today that as I speak words that they might come alive, not because of my skill, God, because of you and what you are doing in the lives of your people. Would you find us to be people who have an open-handed, open-hearted, open-minded posture before you today that your spirit might speak through your word? So God, we ask for eyes to see it clearly today. We ask for ears to hear clearly your word and then humble hearts to live out your word in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, this morning we continue our Christmas sermon series. It is called Emmanuel, God with us. As we are spending this time during the Advent season reading different portions of Scripture that help us to understand the significance of Jesus entering our world. God with us, Emmanuel. Now, many times during a Christmas sermon series, when you come during the month of December, whether it's here or another church, you will often hear uh, Old Testament prophecy, perhaps read from Isaiah that it points to the Messiah who will come. Other times you will spend the month of December in one of the Gospels, reading through the narrative of Jesus' birth or his life. This year, we're taking a bit of a different approach. The approach is a little bit more theological as it pertains to Jesus' birth. We are examining a number of passages from God's Word that will help us understand the significance of the incarnation. It's a theological term. It means God with us, Emmanuel, and make no mistake that Jesus coming to earth incarnate as a baby is significant. It's so significant, in fact, that it changed everything. So what we're going to do, with that as our backdrop, I want to encourage you to grab your Bible. Uh, We're going to be turning to the New Testament book of Hebrew. It is late in the New Testament. Specifically, you're going to find it on page 1001 in our ESV Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you might be able to find one on the seat underneath Or, of course, you can read along on the screen behind me. But we are going to be reading the first few verses of the first chapter of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so after making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And that's where we're going to stop. What we just read are significant words, culture-shaping words. They are life altering words. And I hope you didn't skip over verse 1 because if you skipped over verse 1, we may have missed the power. So let's listen once again to verses 1 and 2. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days... (laughs) He has spoken to us by his son. This means quite simply that in Jesus, everything's changed. In Christ, everything has changed. One scholar explains it this way. He says, in Christ, God has closed the greatest communication gap of all time, that which exists between a holy God and a sinful mankind. He's closed that gap. In Christ, the word entered our world and everything was different. You know, when he did, he actually revealed three truths that we're going to find today. And the first one is this, that Jesus is God's creating word. Jesus is God's creating word. Look again at those verses. Long ago and at many times and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But then something changed. But in these last days, he has spoken to us, how? By his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he also created the world. You see, when we look at Scripture, it is clear that God speaks to his people in many different ways. Sometimes it's through angels. Other times it's through visions. Other times, as we have just read here, it was through prophets. And yet throughout history, he has spoken through creation. Theologians call this general revelation. That through the creation of the world, we can have a sense that God is revealing himself to us. The cover story of this month's Christianity Today highlights this reality, and I found it fascinating. The article is titled, A Midnight Clear. And what the author submits is that in a culture filled with light pollution, blue light pouring from our phones, he says that it has become increasingly difficult for you and I to see the glory and the goodness of our God. 
the light pollution, the blue light, so much gets in the way of us seeing how God speaks to us in general revelation in the stars that you and I see at night. And it's in the first few verses of today's text that the writer of Hebrews explains that in Jesus, God has now spoken to his people with a different sort of revelation. We see the general revelation in the stars and in the other form of communication, but through the incarnation of Christ, the living word, God has given us a special revelation. Now remember what we looked at in John's gospel last week, just those first three verses. Hear them again. In the beginning was the word. He's there at creation. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then the creator entered the creation. This is why the Apostle Paul declares of Jesus in his letter to the believers in Colossae, he says, all things were created by him and for him. Created by him. And for him. And so that means the life, that means the actions, that means the teaching of Jesus are far more significant than just words gone out into the air. They have a significant, lasting impact because Jesus' words carry power. There is power in the words of Christ, not just for our day-to-day lives, which they do, but the power to create. That's our God. And this means that everything that has been created was created by Jesus, for Jesus, for his glory. They might say, well, pastor, what does that mean for me? I understand it, but it seems a little bit lofty. It seems kind of abstract. What it means is that the creator of the universe, God Almighty, has wisdom and guidance for your life and for mine. He has wisdom and guidance for you and I to have a God-honoring marriage. He has wisdom and guidance for raising our children in a Christ-centered home. He has wisdom and direction for a career in any field that will be marked by godly integrity. Now we know this. We know this because no one offers greater clarity on these things than their designer. And it is the designer who ultimately receives the glory. So let's return to our text, Hebrews chapter 1. Pick it up at verse 3. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. There's no clearer picture of God than what is found in Jesus, the Son. No clearer picture. 
want you to think back to the imagery of when we see God in the Old Testament. You might think of the cloud that we see on Mount Sinai as Moses received the law. Well, that was something, right? Or how about when God was wrestling with Jacob throughout the night? Or maybe when the glory of God fills the temple. You see, none of these manifestations represent so fully the imprint of God's nature upon Jesus. None of them represent the nature of God as clearly and as significantly as Jesus does. So when we consider the glory of God, Jesus reflected that. When we consider the image of the nature of God, Jesus revealed that. And when you and I reflect on the power of God, Jesus displayed that. And church, this helps us see that Jesus is God's revealing word. Jesus is God's revealing word. That means that in Jesus, you and I can see the imprint or the stamp of God's nature. It's upon him. The original Greek word used here is similar to our word character, and it tells us that God's attributes have been stamped vividly upon the person of Jesus. When you and I consider this truth some 2,000 years after Jesus walked the earth, we might want to dismiss it because we can't actually see Jesus. I don't see Jesus when I go about my daily life, when I get up in the morning and when I hit the snooze on Monday morning. I I don't see Jesus in that moment. I don't see Jesus physically when I'm around the coffee pot at the office. I don't see Jesus physically when I'm bent down to pray with my kids. So how can we know God? How can you and I know the Father without physically seeing Jesus the Son? It's a fair question. I'm going to give you the same counsel that I offered to you last Sunday. Turn to the New Testament Scriptures. Read the Gospels. The four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record the life and the ministry and the teachings of Jesus. They detail who Jesus is. The Gospels show us what Jesus did. They describe when Jesus' actions took place. They provide the specifics on where Jesus went. And the words of Jesus himself help us understand the why of his actions. That's who, what, when, where, and why. Now any journalist will tell you the five whys will address the fundamental question that every story needs to answer. They're found in the five wise, and that's exactly what you and I find when we read the Gospels. It's all there. We just have to open the Word and dig in and read the Gospels. Then we will get an opportunity to see more clearly who Jesus is and know our God. 
So here's your application today. Right here in White Lake, Michigan on the 10th of December in the year of our Lord, 2023, if you want to know God, if you'd say, I'm here because I want to know God, then look at the exact representation who is Jesus the Christ. And if you want to know Jesus, the exact representation, if you want to know him, look to the Gospels of Matthew, of Mark, of Luke, and of John. That is where each of us, that's where we will all see Jesus as God's revealing word. Now, let's look a little further on in our text, picking it up at the second half of verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, second half of verse 3. It says, after making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So throughout human history, the inability to hear God and see God rested upon us. Not on God, it rested on man. And to be clear, man ruined it. We had it. But since the fall in the garden when Adam and Eve took a bite out of the apple, man has been separated from God. And sin has kept us apart from God and kept us apart from his holiness. You can strive, you can work, you can try to earn, you can, you can do all of those things and that you will never breach the chasm that lies between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Can't do it. The chasm between God and you and me is far too great. And that's why what we just read, verse 3, is so significant. It says, after making purification for sin. Well, how did he do that? He did that by sacrificing his life upon a cross. Jesus paid the penalty that you and I deserve. And this truth helps us see that Jesus is God's saving word. Jesus, the Christ, is God's saving word. For it is only through faith in Jesus that you and I are forgiven. It is only through faith in Jesus that you and I can experience God's saving grace. And it is only through a personal faith in Christ that we can know and experience peace with Almighty God. You see, Jesus went to the cross. He sacrificed his life to pay the penalty of sin. Only Jesus did that. And only the God-man, Jesus, could do that. Because only a perfect sacrifice could satisfy the demands of a holy God. Now, I want you to know what I just said is not some doctrine built on one little verse in the book of Hebrews. 
I want you to know what I'm telling you is the gospel message. And we see it spelled out throughout the, the scriptures, specifically the New Testament. So I want you to hear a few verses that support exactly what I'm talking about. Mark's gospel, chapter 10. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember that chasm? I can't meet it, you can't meet it, but Jesus says, I can. And I did. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. Then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you've been in church any length of time, you know the significance, you know the weightiness of those verses. They declare the good news of Jesus Christ. They affirm that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah that the whole Old Testament points to. And they confirm that salvation, that's found in no one else. But Jesus didn't just die a martyr's death. He didn't just die and that was the end of the story. Instead, Jesus rose again, defeating sin and death, and he is now seated at the right hand of God. Look back at Hebrews chapter, uh, verse 4. Then he said he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So to be clear, having accomplished redemption for sinners like you and like me, Jesus has now returned to the Father. And that's where he remains. That's where he is today, interceding for all who come to God through faith in him. You know, church family, at this time of year, it's easy for believers to kind of focus on the manger the baby who is in the manger. That becomes the central focus. The newborn king. And to be clear, that should be the focus this time of year. We should be amazed at the significance of God entering our world, the creator entering the creation and coming to our world as the incarnate word. That is significant. And I hope, it is my hope that you will invest time there, reading the gospels, immersing yourself in that story. If you have not, we have resources for you. Right on our Welcome Center, there is an, an Advent devotional that gives you and your family an opportunity to dig deeply into the story, and I hope you will. But as your pastor, I hope that you will also remember that that baby, that baby grew up. That baby grew up, and his life changed the world. 
I love the way author Matt Chandler describes the importance of Jesus in his book, Creature of the Word. Here's what he writes. He says, Jesus is the culmination of the greatness and the goodness of God. Church, can you behold that greatness? Have you experienced that goodness that is found in Jesus? White Lake family, Jesus is our creating. He is our revealing. And he is our saving word. And that's why the ultimate act of discipleship for every single believer, whether it is a child, a student, or an adult, is to hear and know God's ultimate word. But what does that mean for me, Pastor? (laughs) It means that we know, that we know Jesus through faith. It means that we follow Jesus humbly by allowing his word to shape our lives. And it means that we find true peace and our deepest joy in fellowship with Jesus, the incarnate word. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.